My name is Anna Grutzner, and my intention is to discuss, embody, and share my learnings in all things psychology, the human mind, mental health, and wellness. This is a platform to refresh my own knowledge and stimulate conversation before I pick up further psychology studies after completing my bachelor nine years ago. I welcome you on this journey of learning, unlearning, and relearning psychology and what it means to be in joy. Hello, and welcome to today's conversation on anxiety and depression. This is not going to be the most fun or lighthearted conversation that we have here on Enjoy, but I think it is a really important one because these are two of the most common mental illnesses impacting our community today. There is lots of shame around anxiety and depression, a lot of taboo, and many people out there who are scared to ask for help. I'm going to take a very pragmatic approach, speaking about what a day in the life of someone with anxiety or depression might feel like. If you have experienced either of these mental illnesses, if you have a family member, a friend, please look after yourself throughout this conversation and know that there are resources that you can refer to if you need. And there's also an episode on mental health first aid. Let's dive into anxiety. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, or the DSM-5, specifically describes anxiety as excessive worry and apprehensive expectations occurring more days than not, for at least six months about a number of events or activities such as work or school. It's important to keep in mind here that there is state anxiety and trait anxiety. State anxiety, I think we can all relate to that feeling of anxiety, that feeling of worry. It's normally a reaction to a provoking situation and it's a temporary response to a threat or a challenge in our environment. Normally, once that threat is removed, we return to normal. Into homeostasis, the parasympathetic nervous system kicks in and we find that balance again. On the other hand, there is trait anxiety. And these are the people or the warriors of the world. They are stress-prone, cautious, and they have that personality predisposition to feel anxiety. And this is unfortunately where a lot of people do form or develop an anxiety disorder. In terms of some key statistics, Beyond Blue sets out that one in four Australians will experience anxiety in their lifetime between the ages of 16 and 85. Only half of those people will seek treatment and females are more likely to experience anxiety than males with one in three versus one in five males. In terms of more situational anxiety, one in six women will experience postnatal anxiety, so that is within the first three months of a newborn. And one in five fathers experience postnatal anxiety within that same three-month window. And 43% of men see this as a weakness. I think this is really interesting because naturally we tend to assume that the mother, the birth giver, feels that anxiety more so than the father. But the results and the statistics actually indicate otherwise. I think there are some really important conversations to be had here, especially given that nearly half of the men out there see this as a weakness, even though it is so, so common. 
Another statistic is that one in five women experience anxiety within the third trimester. That is a particularly anxious time. There are also a number of statistics online about how anxiety shows up within different groups within our community, including children, youth, the LGBTQI plus community, First Nations people and diverse communities within Australia. I would really highly recommend going online and looking into those statistics to understand how anxiety shows up within different parts of our society. In terms of the types of anxiety, there is panic disorder, agoraphobia, social phobia, generalized anxiety disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. I will go through each of these one by one and really explain how they show up. Panic disorder refers to panic attacks, and this is one or more. It's not just the singular event, but it's the fear that people have around having a recurrence, being out in public and having that panic attack. And with it, they can feel dizzy, sweaty, hot, have trembling hands, the heart rate increases. Agoraphobia is disproportionate fear of public places, often around environments that are too open, too crowded, or otherwise perceived as dangerous. This can look like a pounding heart, panic, dread, physical harm, or even feeling like you're physically dying. This is what it's like for someone who experiences agoraphobia. Social phobia or social anxiety is a fear of situations where you may be judged negatively. They worry about humiliation or embarrassing themselves. This can be nervousness, trembling, blushing, or nausea, particularly when speaking or within groups of people. Generalized anxiety is excessive worry about everyday life that affects quality of life and is not explainable through another mental disorder. Obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD, I didn't actually realize that this was a type of anxiety, but this is recurrent and persistent thoughts, urges or images particularly those considered unwanted or intrusive. They lead to impaired functioning, often taking up one or more hours per day. Post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD is intense or prolonged psychological distress and exposure to internal or external cues that symbolize or resemble an aspect of a traumatic event. I think this has a very stereotypical association with military and war veterans. I remember learning in school about the Vietnam War and how so many veterans came back with PTSD. They would have nightmares, sleep disturbances, they would be tense, easily startled and fearful. But this does not just apply to war veterans. There can be many events that happen to someone throughout their life that cause trauma and this post-traumatic stress disorder can show up for them. In terms of reactions to these different types of anxiety, you may experience increased heart rate, sweating, shaking, a dry mouth, shocked appearance, and long-term, you may experience chronic fatigue, tiredness, frequent infections, particularly respiratory, and frequent health complaints. People with anxiety often have aches in their neck, their back, their stomach. They can have skin problems. 
There can also be changes in weight and eating habits not explainable through a diet. And behaviorally, people with anxiety are more prone to accidents. They may drink more, smoke more, they may be absent from work, or any behaviors of excess or avoidance. They may be oversleeping, undersleeping, exercising too much, not exercising enough, not eating enough, eating too much, all of these extremes. There may be cynicism, restlessness, slumped posture, sad expressions, frustration, tearfulness, apathy, or even boredom. These are all of the physiological, behavioral, and emotional symptoms that may show up. So that is anxiety in a nutshell. We defined it, looked at key statistics, the different types, and the bodily reactions. I think the really key thing to keep in mind here is that it is those feelings and those symptoms for at least a period of six months, every day or most days. I understand anxiety very well. I feel it often. I can see it in my friends. I see that worry, that apprehension and that fear. However, it does normally subside. And if you are mentally healthy, mentally stable, you can implement a lot of strategies to help diffuse state anxiety. It is the trait anxiety where you may need to seek professional help and get that extra level of care. We know that the causes of anxiety can be biological, social, chemical, behavioral, there's a myriad of factors and it can look like apprehension, fear, worry, dread and depending on your situation, maybe anxiety is based around basic needs for food, shelter, money, health. I think during COVID, we felt a lot of these basic needs really being tested, social interaction. But beyond that, or if those basic needs aren't a problem for you, maybe anxiety is caused around a future event, an exam, presentation, job interview, a difficult conversation. All of these things can lead to anxiety. And for me, those latter types of anxiety, at least what I'm finding right now, it's often the result of some kind of inauthenticity or incongruency between who you are and how you're showing up. If you live in alignment with who you really are at your core, you have very little to feel anxious about. You have no character to portray, no imposter syndrome, no one to convince. You can be unapologetic, say how you feel, not waste time trying to be liked or agreed with, but rather being honest and validating yourself. This is something that I'm really lucky to be able to practice here. Even though I'm opening up, putting my neck on the line, being vulnerable, I feel no fear, no anxiety because it's just coming from the place of truth. So think about the number one thing causing you anxiety right now. Bring it to the front of your mind. I can almost bet that it is something in the future because that's where anxiety lives. I heard a quote from Lao Tzu, who was the ancient Chinese Taoist philosopher, and he says that depression lives in the past, anxiety lives in the future, and peace lives in the present. So thinking about this thing that is causing you anxiety in your future, 
hopefully it's not a basic human need and hopefully it is something that you can really look at a bit more objectively and think, is this something that I would really put on my own path? Is this something that is truly aligned to me and to my future? And if it's not, can I let it go? Let me know how that lands and whether that resonates with you. That is anxiety. Now let's move into depression. Depression is when you feel sad, down or miserable most of the time. You may also lose interest in things you usually enjoy. Depression is a scale from mild to moderate to severe. And the DSM criteria, or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which we spoke about, is five or more symptoms from the following. Depressed mood, markedly diminished interest or pleasure in activities, significant weight loss or gain, or an increase or decrease in appetite, slowing down of thoughts and reduction of physical movement, fatigue or loss of energy, feelings of worthlessness, excessive or inappropriate guilt, diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness, recurrent thoughts of death with or without a specific plan or attempt. Those are the eight symptoms. And if you have depression, you are likely to be experiencing these most of the day, every day, over a period of two weeks. In terms of the different types of depression, there is major depressive disorder or clinical depression. This is a mental health disorder characterized by persistently depressed mood or loss of interest in activities causing significant impairment in daily life. Possible causes include a combination of biological, psychological and social sources of distress. Increasingly, research suggests that these factors may cause changes in brain function, including altered activity of certain neural circuits in the brain. The second type is dysthymic disorder or dysthymic. I'm not entirely sure how to say that one. This is a depressed mood for most of the time over a two-year period. I believe this is more of a sort of functional depression in the same way there's functional alcoholics that still come to work every day and are able to get by day by day, but it's just this persistent, consistent, depressed mood. Bipolar refers to episodes of mania, which is elevated, expansive or irritable mood that is abnormal and persistent for over one week. People with mania may be more talkative, take less sleep, be impulsive, distractible, followed by depressive episodes. And this is that emotional low, that crash of sadness and fatigue. So it is really swinging between the pendulum from high to low. There is substance-induced mood disorder. This is from intoxication of substances or medications or withdrawal from those drugs causing depressive, anxious, psychotic or manic symptoms. There is psychotic depression, which is losing touch with reality, hallucinations, delusions, or paranoia. There is antenatal or postnatal. So 10% of women experience depression during pregnancy, 16% experience it within the first three months, and postnatal depression can be up to one year. 
There is also seasonal affective disorder or SAD, and this is depressed mood in winter months. People with this often experience a better mood in lighter months where the days are longer, the sun is out. This is quite rare in Australia, although I feel at least 20% worse during winter months than summer, personally. However, this is more common in parts of the world that have long nights, short days, those little cracks of light for four hours during the day, not enough sunshine. In terms of treatment for depression, I think it really starts with the basics and the hygiene factors, which is a healthy diet, exercise, sleep, and beyond that, Everyone has their own unique journey to recovery. GPs or psychologists, psychiatrists may discuss different outcomes for people experiencing depression. This may include antidepressants, cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy, counseling, interpersonal therapies, mindfulness. I did an episode on the seven key attitudes of mindfulness, so starting to bring those into your regimes. Whatever it may be, finding that unique treatment plan that works for you. If yourself or anyone you know is experiencing depression or anxiety, there is so much help out there. Some really good places to start are Beyond Blue, Head to Health, Lifeline, Suicide Callback Service, and of course, calling triple zero in the event of a medical or mental health emergency. Today has been a heavy conversation, so rather than leaving you feeling that weight, I'd like to finish on a really positive note, and how I want to finish this conversation is how I actually finish every single day, and that is by writing down three things that I'm grateful for and one thing that I'm excited for tomorrow. This is something I learned from Hugh van Kylenberg from The Resilience Project. I read both of his books. I listened to his podcast, The Imperfects, and I just think it is a remarkable exercise to do. Really helps you to focus on the good in life, to be grateful for your day, and to be excited for the day ahead. Bring to mind three things that went well for you today. Maybe it's your morning coffee, maybe the sun was out, maybe you caught up with someone who you haven't seen in a while. Or you had a big belly laugh with a colleague. I'm just thinking of my day. (laughs) I had a very big giggle with my dear friend who I work with. And bringing those three things to mind. You can write them down. Write them in your iPhone notes. And now thinking about one thing that you're excited for tomorrow. And with that... I will leave you. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was a really important conversation to have on anxiety and depression. I hope you learned something new. I hope you took something away from today and I hope you take really good care of yourself. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you next time.